to the Travel Squad podcast. We adventure the world together, one passport stamp at a time. We're here to share travel news, tips, and our own adventures with you. Every Travel Tuesday, we share stories on a variety of topics, including our hometown, San Diego, hiking, weekenders, national parks, international getaways, and inspiring you to go on your own adventures, even if it starts with your own backyard. I'm Jamal. Brittany. And I'm Kim. And And we're we're the the Travel Travel Squad Squad Podcast. Podcast. So grab your ticket and your passport. And don't forget your travel insurance. And prepare for takeoff. Hello, fellow travelers. Hey, Hey, squaddies. Welcome to this week's episode of the Travel Squad podcast. Today, we are taking you with us to Congaree National Park, located in South Carolina. Congaree is amazing. It really is. And I know when you hear the South, you're thinking swamps, you're thinking mosquitoes, and you're wondering why we are bringing this to you. But trust me, I thought those same things. And you will not regret visiting this national park. I promise you. You definitely will not. And you are very right. Congaree National Park, to some degree, is a swamp. But it is a forested swamp. It's located 18 miles southeast of the state capital of South Carolina, Columbia. And the park preserves the largest tract of old-growth bottomland hardwood forest left in the United States. Now, I know that sounds like a mouthful, and you're like, what the hell is that? Well, old-growth is basically like a term that's used to describe pretty much like virgin forests, like forest areas that have really been untouched by like humans and things like that. So they're a lot more natural in their state. And the bottomland hardwood forest, I forgot specifically what that means, but it is something talking about like um, forests that grow in floodplains. And it's so amazing when you're out there because quite honestly, you know, when you go to national parks, lots of national parks are known for wildlife. And I was not expecting to see the amount of wildlife that we actually saw in Congaree on the short trail that we did and in that amount of time. And these lush trees grow in this beautiful floodplain. And the forests here are known to be the tallest in the eastern United States. So really, really big, tall trees growing here in Congaree. All right, we're going to tease you a little with the tips. First tip, number one tip, probably the most important tip of the day here in Congaree is to wear bug spray, mosquito repellent. And don't just put it on once. You're going to want like a base layer and then you're going to secondary Reapply. layer. Yeah, when we got out of the car, the first thing we did was apply bug spray on all of each other. And then once we started our hike, and I shouldn't even call it a hike, it's a trail, because we'll talk about exactly what it is that we did coming up here very shortly. Once we started hearing the bugs go around, we're like, fuck this, we need to put on some more, and we put on some more. Now, Brittany and I walked away unscathed. Kim is telling us that you walked out with a few, so that kind of sucks. Maybe they liked you a little bit more. Uh, Mosquitoes absolutely love me, and I did apply two times, and I did get a ton of mosquito bites. I did not wear protective clothing. I was showing a lot of skin, so that I kind of messed up there. When you say a ton, like let's estimate less than five. I would say like 12. 
12. What the fuck? Yeah. yeah. No. I actually, on the side of my arm, back of my arm, I had three in a row. One, two, three. And now, are you sure you didn't pick them up on our positive. previous portions of Charleston or Savannah? I'm positive because I also got mosquito bites in those two cities, but I had a lot more after Congaree. Like, maybe I had one or two, but like, I definitely didn't get 12 in Congaree. I did. And so, if you are taking this trip and you're continuing on, then go ahead and also pack the hydrocortisone. Just in case you do get bit, because that saved me from like scratching my body off. You know, what I was doing that was working really well was mixing some hydrocortisone cream with Neosporin because I'm a big scratcher when things like itch. And so I mixed both of those. I felt like it helped with the inflammation and had some antibacterial properties to help make sure that my... Look at the traveling nurse over here. Get infected. And you know, the funny thing is we all wore stuff that put our skin to be exposed. I mean, we looked at the weather. We're talking about being here in a swamp. It's going to be humid. It said it was supposed to be up to 90 degrees. I did not feel that at all so we're just like oh we don't really want to like sweat out here and it really isn't true like bug season quite quite yet so you know Brittany and I made it Kim apparently had a little fiasco but on the bug (laughs) situation it's really funny like once you enter the park like when you get to the boardwalk area and again we'll talk about that a little bit more once we get out of the tips here they have that mosquito meter mosquito meter and then the ranger was telling us obviously this is an exact science well no shit, but it's still one of those unique things, the mosquito meter, and they'll tell you like they're barely out today and it goes on a scale of one to six and six is like death. And uh, they didn't adjust it for the day, but she said it was what about like a two that day, two out of six. That's what she said, but she also said mosquitoes aren't really attracted to her. So for her, it might be a two, but for someone else, it might be like a four. And I felt like for when we were on the trail, we kind of said we were ranging like four to five. But Kim, apparently you might have been a little bit I think bit I more. said six. Yeah, but that four to five, like keep that in mind, we were putting it on a scale of 10, not of their one to six. Yeah. But moving on from the bugs, next tip, <laughs> teasing you guys a little bit here, is this is an easy half day trip. So if you happen to be in Charleston or doing other stuff like in South Carolina, for that matter, whether it be, you know, Hilton Head or Myrtle Beach, obviously going to be a little bit further of a drive or for whatever reason, if you're in Columbia, which is the capital, which I don't recommend doing as we drove through <laughs> there, experience that but easy little half day trip for you definitely well worth it another tip that we have for you guys is to make sure to download offline maps you are kind of driving to the middle of south carolina where there's not a lot of other things around and you may lose service driving there so make sure to download offline maps in advance and then if you're wondering when to visit congaree we would recommend spring or fall those are going to be your best times to visit for weather and for flooding right because summer it could get up to like 110 degrees out there it's so odd you know a forested area i mean this is is a real forest could get up to 110 degrees but keep in mind like i said it's forest in a swamp and as we get further into the episode i mean it lends to a very unique beauty just kind of really seeing that swampy floodplain and actual trees but during winter again talking floodplains it will actually flood so you really can't do much at that point because the elevated boardwalk and i guess we'll talk about it now because we've mentioned it a few times famous portion of the park from the parking lot and the entrance is an elevated boardwalk that takes you through the forest above the swamp. And so during the winter months, the floods and waters can be high enough to where you're actually trekking in the water on the boardwalk. So you don't want to go in winter or summer because of the weather. 
And in summer, it's very, very humid as well. This area also gets hit with hurricanes. So hurricane season comes in later in that year, fall time usually. It has a beautiful story that keeps the ecosystem of this park intact, but you don't want to be there during hurricane season. So last tip that we have for you guys is to have a backup plan if the hike that you're wanting to do is closed or flooded. I actually wanted to do a longer trail than what we did. And the reason why we didn't do it was because a part of that area was a little muddy, boggy. And so she said it could, you know, be a little hindrance to your experience. Yeah. So we decided not to do that trail. So have a backup plan. There was a portion of the trail where we're going around the boardwalk and it comes to a turn. And so it's like fenced off and we can't go. But we can see that there's a pathway in the natural area like carved out but there's a fence there Brittany's about to hop the fence and go down the pathway I'm like Brittany what the hell are you doing it's like you can't go that way she's like it's an easy day (laughs) (laughs) well you know I think I had downloaded maps from all trails and the all trails one said we could go that way (laughs) but you know Kim's like it looks like it's kind of blocked for a reason I'm like but is it (laughs) I ended up listening to them they pulled me in we were what you were right. You were right. <laughs> Although I do think that was an old trail. Maybe just, I don't know. You probably could have gone, but they put up the sign there for you to really not go. Well, I they don't didn't think, have a sign. Well, they didn't, but the way they had it up off the boardwalk was clearly like, let's, boarded let, fence let, let's not go. Oh my, it wasn't completely boarded. <laughs> But beyond that, Jamal keeps calling Congaree National Park a swamp. And I just want to correct him. It is not a swamp at all. It gives swamp vibes and people may think it's a swamp, but it is an actual floodplain and the forest floods about 10 times per year. Correct. So, I mean, I guess swamp is the best way to describe it, but Brittany is very correct that it is not a beautiful floodplain in the forest, but because it's a floodplain, it's in the forest. It's covered. You don't really have a lot of sun that comes into that area to dry it up. So it gives it this really, really unique environment. And again, that's why a good portion of what people actually go to do is walk that boardwalk area, which is what, like a five mile loop, is it? Or how long is the boardwalk? Three miles. It was two and a half. Two and a half. Okay. I'm thinking five because one of the things that Brittany wanted to do is you actually can get off the boardwalk, but you don't want to do it during flood season because it will be too muddy. And then you could do extended loops that will take you to further things to see like different lakes, etc. So that's why I guess I was thinking maybe the, the five miles, but the boardwalk is two and a half, three miles. What's really cool about this park is that this sweet old lady will greet you at the front and hand you a little pamphlet. It has 19 numbers on it or something. And there are numbered boards along the whole boardwalk section that you have to keep a keen eye out for because we missed a lot of them. I don't think we saw number one. We started at number five, apparently, or something like <laughs> we that. Missed like, where did they go? Yeah. So keep an eye out. But what's really cool is that when you get to that board, the little paragraph in the pamphlet about it will educate you on what you're looking at. And we learned a lot of really cool stuff from that little pamphlet. It was really cool. Like we got to one section where there was actually a clearing and it was talking about like these trees came down during this hurricane and I forgot how many years ago it was or something like that. But it's beyond just all these trees came down, points your eye to look at the forest floor and you can actually see different plant life and other types of trees that weren't growing. It's just like because they had access to the 
the sun and these other parts not. That's why you could see this here or that. Or So it was really cool and very educational to just really learn about the environment. I don't think I've ever really been into a forest that is a floodplain. And I really, really enjoyed that a lot. It was very unique experience. And one thing that I thought just really cool about going to the East Coast in general is it's very forested in general, oh, everywhere yeah. along the East so Coast. So green. Yeah. And here you are in a national park, little area in that floodplain. So I thought it was uh, really cool. And, you know, I touched upon this earlier in the intro talking about it, but there's just such astonishing biodiversity in Congaree. It is the largest intact old growth bottomland forest, like I had mentioned. And the waters from the Congaree River just sweep through the area during the wet season and just provides nutrients and everything to keep this old growth forest alive. What is the number one living species in the park? Caterpillars. Yes. <laughs> that was the first wildlife we saw right when we got there was the caterpillars all along the boardwalk. Like literally once we got out of the bathroom area where they had the mosquito meter and you get to the boardwalk, we saw a caterpillar. And we're like, oh, guys, look at this caterpillar. <laughs> we're, we're, we're looking at it for a little bit. And then we walked another five feet and then realized, oh, shit, there's literally caterpillars every inch of this fucking boardwalk <laughs> along the way. And I think it would be really cool to be there once they actually go through their metamorphosis and become butterflies. Can you imagine yes. that whole area that'd with cool. all those caterpillars, just butterflies flying? I think that'd be really, really cool. And like Jamal said earlier, that this national park isn't visited very often. It's like the 12th least visited national park. So it's not crowded, great to go. We felt like we had parts of it all by ourselves. We did, yeah. And what's cool is we have done episodes in the past about national parks you don't need to hike in or they're great for sightseeing this should be on one of those lists because anyone can do it if you're in a wheelchair if you're in a walker like stroller yeah and along the boardwalk they had benches although you know we haven't talked about the wildlife i'd be a little hesitant to sit on those benches out there and we'll talk about that very very shortly here but we did see an older couple he had a walker himself or like a little cane and they were taking it very nice and leisurely so you definitely can do it and another good little fuck em hard about congaree is this is a free <laughs> national park i think we mentioned it earlier but i'm going to reiterate free who doesn't love a free national park hell yeah Hey squaddies, we want to share one of our favorite travel products with you. Liquid IV is a category winning hydration brand fueling your well-being while traveling. One stick fits into 16 ounces of water to give you three times the electrolytes of traditional sports drinks and hydrates you two times faster than water alone. Their half ounce hydration multiplier powder packet is the one product you need in every suitcase, carry-on, and day pack. We use it while flying on planes because flights can be so dehydrating. We use it when we feel jet lagged, when we're out on a hike, and after a long night out that has us feeling worn out. In just one stick, you get five essential vitamins, B3, B5, B6, B12, and vitamin C. Liquid IV also now comes in 12 delicious and refreshing flavors to keep your hydration routine exciting. Our favorites are the lemon lime and tangerine with immune support. It's made with premium ingredients, all non-GMO and gluten, dairy, and soy free. Get 20% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use Travel Squad Podcast at checkout. That's 20% off anything you order when you shop better hydration today using promo code Travel Squad Podcast at liquidiv.com. Hey, squaddies, let's take a quick detour to talk about our travel itineraries that we've created just for you. We just launched several new international trip itineraries, including Tulum and Japan. This is on top of the itineraries we already have for U.S. trips like the Hawaiian island of Kauai, 
the U.S. Virgin Islands, as well as national park trip itineraries, including Utah's Mighty Five National Parks and a week at Grand Teton and Yellowstone. These fully built out 20 to 30 page PDF guides are available for instant download on our site right now. Every detail of the trip is laid out for you. So all you have to do is download, book, show up, and have fun. The itineraries tell you where to fly into, the exact route to take, where to stay, park entrance prices, where to eat, driving distance between attractions, the things to see and do, even the hikes we recommend, their mileage, and the time to allot for each one. And believe it or not, so much more. Be sure to head over to TravelSquadPodcast.com to download your very own comprehensive travel itinerary today. So how do you get to Congaree? Where's the easiest place to get there from? I would say the easiest would be Columbia. That's only like 30 minutes away. Mm -hmm. And again, the state capital of South Carolina, but a lot to be desired about the city of Columbia. Not going to lie. Well, I will say the airport, I flew out of it. Very easy to navigate. Well, usually small (laughs) little areas are. So that's good to know on that. So very close to Columbia, about 30 minutes. But if you're going to be seeing some of the bigger things in South Carolina, again, Myrtle Beach, Charleston. Charleston or Hilton Head. You could easily come from those coastal areas inland uh, from Charleston, which is kind of like center coastal South Carolina, about a two hour drive to Congaree. And like we mentioned earlier, all of the hikes are pretty flat. So you're really not hiking. They're more like nature trails. But with that being said, the areas that aren't on the elevated boardwalk, they're prone to flooding. And there are parts of the boardwalk that drop from elevated portions to still a boardwalk, but you're closer to the forest floor. So those definitely get flooded and wet during the winter season. Britt almost had an incident in the mud. Oh, yeah. I almost slipped. So the trail that I wanted to do was called the Oak Ridge Trail. That trail was supposed to be a, a little over six miles. And it was actually a combination of several trails. It was like a combination of the boardwalk. And then I want to say part of the Weston Lake Loop and maybe some other trails as well. But it was a combination of like three different trails. And we were advised not to take this trail because parts of it were pretty muddy and that it would take us quite a bit of time to finish this trail. And we were also on a time constraint because we needed to drop Kim off at that huge airport in Columbia. For being such a small airport, the security line actually took a very long time. Because it's a small airport, so they're like, we don't need that many people. It was just the Southern pace. Oh, okay. Good to know, I guess. But continuing on with what there is to do in Congaree, like Brittany said, she wanted to do Oak Ridge. What we ended up doing was the Weston Lake Loop. So again, this is the first portion or third of the boardwalk. Eventually, you get to a point where you can step off the boardwalk itself. And again, now you're actually on the forest floor. This area can flood. It wasn't flooded. We actually had some pretty solid dirt area right there for us to walk on. So it was really, really good. And this is where we had a little bit of a wildlife side. And we started hearing stuff for like rustling in the forest a little bit. We're like, oh shit, what's that? And we heard some movement and the rustling of the leaves. And then we saw, was it a turtle or a tortoise? I don't even know, but it wasn't in the water. It was actually in the grass area, just like making a ruckus. And then once he saw that we (laughs) saw him, he kind of stopped and didn't move a little bit. But it was really cool to actually see like turtle or tortoise moving on land versus just swimming in the pond or lake. I love that you said ruckus because I learned that word from a sweet Southern girl in Savannah. She used it naturally in something she was telling us, and I've been saying it ever since. <laughs> You're going to tell me that the first time you ever heard the word ruckus no, was in Savannah? I've heard it before. I've never heard anyone actually use it 
Oh, okay. Without well, being joking. <laughs> uh, well, the tortoise made a ruckus. So. He was making a ruckus. Yeah. yeah. Well, I literally thought to myself, because we didn't mention this, the first animal sighting or wildlife sighting was the caterpillars like we saw. Then on the boardwalk, from my keen eye, I saw a snake in the flooded area just kind of hovering on one of the tree stumps on the bottom. And Congaree is very known for having lots and lots of snakes. So when I heard that noise and it sounded like big movement, you know what I mean? I thought to myself, oh shit, did a snake catch a squirrel, a possum, a raccoon <laughs> or something and was trying to eat it? But then we realized it was the turtle slash tortoise. Again, I don't know which one it was in particular. And while we were on this trail, we did decide to do the offshoot to Wise Lake. I would recommend going to Wise Lake. I thought it was very scenic. We got some really good pictures there. But I feel like this is probably one of the buggiest areas in the park, for sure. When you step off of the boardwalk and you're in the natural forest, and when we were at Wise Lake, I felt like that's where all the bugs came out. You know what I found really interesting about the bug situation is... Clearly, the closer to the floor of the forest that you get, the more bugs that there actually are. So again, at this point, we weren't on the boardwalk. We're literally on the floor. But when we're on the boardwalk at certain levels, like I didn't really feel like there were a lot of bugs. But when you're on the boardwalk and the boardwalk is maybe like a foot or two above the forest floor, then I noticed there was a lot more bugs and mosquitoes and things like that, too. So I feel like the higher elevated you are, the less likely you're going to come across them. The lower you are, then you're going to get them. But, you know, one thing that I saw when I was doing research about Congaree National Park on a questions thing, someone asked, like, can you swim in Congaree National Park? Um, No. <laughs> you would not would want you, to. You, you wouldn't want to. Well, again, Brittany corrected me by saying it's not a swamp, but let me tell you something. These floodplains are like fucking swamps. And we're going to talk about the major, major wildlife sighting that we had very shortly. And believe me, once we talk about that, you are not going to want to swim in any of these. As a matter of fact, we're going to talk about another activity that you can do. And that is exactly why we didn't do that other activity once we learned a little bit more information. But when we were at Wise Lake, could you hear something in the water? Like we couldn't figure out what it was. Like figure out if they were like turtles or fish but i kept hearing noises in the water and i was like what is in there don't know there was a lot of weird noises a lot of weird things going on in there god only knows but let me tell you something we finally got back onto the boardwalk area from the weston lake loop and once you get back to the boardwalk well guess what now you have an overlook of weston lake and this is where we saw the abundance of wildlife we, at first we thought it was a floating log in the <laughs> lake and then all of a sudden oh shit, we realized we're looking at a fucking alligator out a there. A gator sighting. A gator sighting. There were an abundance of turtles just swimming under the dock of the lake that we were watching. Oh, all of a sudden, then we see a little snake slithering in the water, coming up to the turtles, making, mm -hmm. like, literally on the surface, then that fucker took a dive underwater, <laughs> disappeared somewhere, came back under and wrapped itself around a branch, put its head out, then we eventually watched it go to shore. So, yeah, no, you don't want to swim in there. God knows what lurks beneath. The gator was cruising, though. It was cruising, then it was chilling, and it was cruising. Like, that was the most gator activity I've ever seen. Oh, my God. That was really cool. Because when you saw it from a distance, we're like, oh, is that a gator? Yeah, 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 it is. And then it kept coming closer and closer. And then, like, it just kind of chilled in front of us for a while. I mean, yes, it was a distance, but we got to watch that for some good time. But there was an abundance of wildlife at that overlook. One of the rangers said she feels like one of the reasons there's a whole bunch of turtles is that she thinks people feed the turtles? I, I think so. When I was in Cabo, there was this one 
lake we went to that had a ton of turtles at it and they were all at the edge trying to crawl out of it because people feed them. Ah. So that's what she was saying is people go on that overlook and feed the turtles. That's why they all hang out right, right below there. it. They're like, ooh, free food. Exactly. You don't have to work for it. But I really enjoyed this aspect of it. I mean, honestly, it was just really fun being on the elevated boardwalk, looking over the lake and just really seeing the wildlife that was out there. And I know a lot of people might think to themselves like, oh, I'm not intrigued by like a gator. Oh, I hate snakes. But I, would say that? I, I, I don't know. But I feel like some people would because they're turned off by, you know, stuff like that. It's not a cool animal like a giant elk or a bear, or, you know, going to Yellowstone and seeing bison or something like that. Right. I mean, they're kind of creepy animals to some people but it was a very fun experience and this was probably my favorite part of it when mm -hmm. we were at the Weston Lake Overlook for it but I think that's kind of like a really good segue into it because again there's not a lot of hiking they're really trails you're just really going to see the uniqueness of the forest the floodplain obviously come across these animals that we were talking about but other than just doing the trails one of the very popular things that you can actually do is canoe and kayak within Congaree. Now, the national park itself, like a lot of places that have, you know, tours, the national park doesn't orchestrate them, but they do allow private companies to offer tours within the park. So you can book them with private companies, do your canoeing. And we were actually going to do that on one of these lakes and creeks going through the forest. And Brittany, I'll let you tell everybody why we decided fuck no to that option. Well, I'm actually going to correct you, Jamal, because the National Park does organize some of the They tours. do, though. That shocks me because like when you go to Everglades and a lot of other places, they don't do it. It's private companies. So but thank you for the clarification. they only do it on like Fridays and Saturdays of very specific seasons, like specific dates. So they only do it Fridays and Saturdays of like April through June and then September through November. However, if you're going outside of those times or if those times don't work for you, then you have to go through a private company. So if you do it through the national park and you happen to do that, it'll be free. But if you go through a company, you're probably going to be paying like $80 a person. The reason why we ended up not doing the canoes and kayaking, one, it was a time constraint, but two. And the main reason. And the main reason was that I kept reading that the reason the most people flip their canoes or their kayaks is because spiders or snakes land <sighs> in the boats. They fall from the canopies of the trees right into your fucking canoe, freak you out, and then you're going to roll over. And guess what? There's gators out there. Now, gators aren't as dangerous as crocs, but I still wouldn't want to run the risk of uh, being in the water near a gator. I wouldn't near, even uh, want to be in the water. And no, then, not at all. I mean, you might get some sort of like bacterial disease from that water even. I mean, I know, don't know. I watched some YouTube videos and when I saw like some of the highlights of the spiders and snakes, I was like, yep, that's a note for me. So we saw several snakes and again, snakes don't really bother me in general. They would bother me falling into my fucking canoe. But when Brittany <laughs> showed me that videos of what the spiders look like, and ironically, we didn't see any spiders in the forest, but those spiders are big and fucking ugly out there. Like ugly and that would creep me the fuck out if one of those got in my canoe and then afterwards as well i was doing some more reading on it and then i was reading that during low season if the water's low the water could be so low that at parts you might have to get out of your canoe bring it ashore and around like the debris that's blocking you and then you get back in and it was not really muddy while we were there but it was still muddy and i can't imagine having to get out of your canoe onto the muddy banks take your canoe around Around whatever debris is blocking you because it's probably some trees walking in that area with all of like possible spiders
spiders and snakes and all gators. of that. Gators. And then getting back in all muddy. Like I was like, yeah, that's a note for me. That's a note for me, dog. <laughs> Who am I? <laughs> Brandy. Yeah. <laughs> Another thing that was really cool about this park that we were here during this season, but it's a nighttime activity here. And that is the fireflies. I would have loved to see them. I Me think that too. would have been really cool, actually. What's more Southern than a firefly? I mean, I haven't seen them in person really here in California. I've I don't never think seen we have one. them. But I'll tell you what, when you ride Pirates of the Caribbean at Disneyland and go through the little blue bayou area and the little swamps, I'll tell you what, they got the fake little fireflies. And I would have <laughs> loved to see the real ones out here at Congaree. And Kim, I'm just going to say, you chose like a mid-afternoon flight and we had to get you back. So I think we missed the fireflies because of you. It's all my fault. Just, you know, I'll just take one. You just take, yeah, it kind of was. No, but I would honestly go back here. Well, you could have gone back, dropped me off and gone back to the that, park. It's only 30 minutes away. That's very true. But we had a longer drive continuing on. So uh, it really wasn't Kim's fault. No, I know. I'm just, uh-huh. I'm, I'm just playing. It was Brittany's fault. Yeah, it was, yeah, <laughs> yes. a good point, actually. I was just playing around on that one. But I would come back to Congaree because I enjoyed it a lot. Very unique forest environment that you're not really going to see anywhere else in the United States. And and free, undervisited, unique. It was really awesome. Yes. If you want to see the fireflies, the National Park hosts a viewing event for two weeks, sometime between mid-May and, and mid-June when they're most active. But it's a lottery system to get the permits to go. It's only a dollar to enter the lottery and reserve the spot. But if you're chosen, then you have to pay another $19. So $20 total. And the best time to see the fireflies is between 9 and 10 p.m. We weren't going to be there that late. So we did miss that. And during that time, where they have the viewing events. There's the main area with the visitor center and then there's these boardwalk trails that branch off for that so you can best see the fireflies. But during the season, the actual boardwalk itself closes at 4 p.m. to just normal visitors so that they can prepare for the evening event. Something that we were asking ourselves and is of interest to anyone visiting this park is where to eat near Congaree National Park. And really there isn't much to eat out there. There's nothing at all. I don't think the National Park had anything. And you either need to pick up food to bring with you to the park from whatever city you're coming from. Or if you're going to go a little bit out of the way, go north first into Columbia, get food and bring it in. Or when you're done at the park, go and get food. Closest big city again is Columbia. So do keep that in mind. And I think that's another good reason why we always say and pack our collapsible cooler to bring with us. That way we could have food. But uh, yeah, there's really not going to be any food options anywhere near Congaree. Closest location will be Columbia. The place that we ate in Columbia, South Carolina was at Publix for the sandwiches that Jamal is a number one fan of. I did try them again. I was more impressed than Florida. So I'll just give you that and I'll leave it there. But you were still (laughs) underwhelmed. I mean, you were taking a big dump on it while we were eating it. Okay, I'm not going to lie, but that's okay. That's okay. To each their own, no judgment. I'll reiterate it again. I like the public sandwiches because I think the meat is of good quality. The cost of them is actually relatively low. So when you're traveling, it's something better than actual fast food, easy, cheap, and on the go. That's why I love it. But in terms of like overall quality, you know, uh, you could see us differing here. Kim is still not impressed <laughs> and Jamal is still a fan. And not in this episode, but I'm going to tease you for a future episode. In the Great Smoky Mountain episode, Kim, remind me to be sure to go over Jamal's freak out about the Publix sandwiches. Oh, okay. I cannot wait. I don't even know what freak out about the Publix sandwich she's talking about. So I'm intrigued for Brittany to, to rag on me in that one and pull <laughs> another fake freak out out of her ass pin on me. So TBD. I, I knew it was 
was coming because we did Congaree before that. We did Charleston before that. We did Savannah. So we're going on a couple of days here now. And Jamal, I don't think he had a freak out to my knowledge. Oh, he did. Don't worry. I'll jump into it when we talk about the Great Smoky Mountain. <laughs> Can't wait. But for now, it's my favorite time of the episode. And we have two questions of the week. <laughs> Number one, is Congaree worth a trip? I would say 100% absolutely. It is a very unique environmental landscape in the U.S. Nothing is really quite like it that I've ever seen in the U.S. or anywhere internationally of our travels. Now, I will say, is it worth just taking a trip to South Carolina to go to Congaree? Maybe not, but if you are going to be seeing some of the major cities and sites in South Carolina, or if it's a bucket list goal to go to every national park, absolutely. But just to like fly out here, if that's not necessarily your thing, I would say no. I would agree with Jamal because really all you need in the park is half a day to really see it, unless you're also pairing it with the fireflies, which would be cool. But I think you can pair it with another close city nearby and then make a trip out of that. Do I think you should specifically fly into Columbia just to see Conquery? No. But if you're in South Carolina, do yourself a favor and take the half day trip and go to Congaree. I I do think that is worth it. If you're on the East Coast, I feel like driving on the East Coast is so much easier than the West Coast. Things are so much closer together. Because states are small. So if you're on the East Coast, there's no reason why you can't Mm -hmm. drive to Congaree and do a little trip. I agree. I absolutely agree. Okay, question number two is not really a question, but I wanted to throw this one in there because we've been getting a lot of this lately. And this person saying, I love your podcast and your great tips. Please keep bringing great content. Thank you so much for saying that. We've been getting a ton of reviews lately about that and a ton of DMs on Instagram, which I love. I love hearing from everybody. We love when we get engagement from you guys. So thank you yeah, very much. And obviously sitting in something like that is exciting for us to, to hear. And again, we geek out every time something like that comes in. Yes. And I'm glad that you all really want it because we want to keep giving it as much as you want. You're going to get. We actually have been talking recently like we want to be known as the top travel podcast out there. And we think think that we have the chops to do it. There's a lot of great travel podcasts out there, but we like what we bring. We love all of you. And we've been doing this for over three years now. It doesn't get old. It's just as fun. The more we hear from listeners, the more excited we get, the more plans we make. But we would love your help in helping us grow to that like next level that we really need to get at in order to keep bringing content. And how you could do that is if you love this episode or any episode that you hear, send it to a friend, text it to them, tag them in it, share it with them. That would really help us. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. I know Spotify now does reviews, but not written at this point, but you can actually do starred reviews. So anything like that will help us become the top travel podcast out there. I know with the engagement that we are starting to get more of from our squaddies out there and you guys right now, we're very close to that and we want to be that for you so we can continue to bring you this awesome content and Kim can continue to rag on Publix. (laughs) (laughs) And also, if you have an episode that you really want to hear or a question you want us to answer, 
send that in. We've had people who have asked us, hey, something like, I really want to take a guided tour, but I don't know how to do that. Can you do an episode on guided tours? We slotted that in right away and have an episode coming for guided tours. So if you have something that you really want to hear from us, let us know and we'll, we'll give it to you. And with that, thank you so much for tuning in to our Congaree episode this week. Keep the adventures going with us on TikTok, YouTube, Instagram at Travel Squad Podcast. And like I said, send us in your questions of the week. If you found the information in this episode to be useful, or if you thought we were just plain funny, please be sure to share it with a friend that you know would enjoy it too. Please subscribe, rate and review our podcast, and tune in every Travel Tuesday for new episodes. Stay tuned for next week's episode. We have some more amazing adventures and tips in store for you. Bye, Bye squaddies. squaddies.